Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Come Follow Me Today, a brief message to help us experience an additional spiritual moment in our otherwise complicated lives. My name is Caleb Sanford, and thank you for joining me as we accept Christ's invitation to follow him today. For those of you new to the show, we're studying the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ loosely following the study curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And today we're going to be finishing the book of Helaman. Well, everybody, in the words of Samuel L. Jackson from Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts. We're about to start the book of 3 Nephi, where things really start to heat up. For those of you who might be reading the Book of Mormon for the first time, I won't spoiler you yet on what about's to happen. But you'll recall from the end of the book of Helaman that Samuel the Lamanite did give us a spoiler. Quote, Behold, I give unto you a sign, for five years more cometh, and behold, then cometh the Son of God to redeem all those who shall believe on his name, End quote. So the Book of Mormon started back in the year 600 BC, with Lehi bringing his family out of Jerusalem to escape the pending Babylonian exile, and then traveling to the Americas to start a new society. For 400 pages now and 600 years, we've been hearing prophecy after prophecy about the coming of Christ and teaching after teaching, trying to get the Nephites and Lamanites to believe in Christ and to prepare themselves for his coming. Well, it's time now. Five more years. I remember when I first read the Book of Mormon some 13 years ago, I had been watching the years tick away in the chapter summaries and by this point was on the edge of my seat. What happens when Christ is born? The Nephites and me have been waiting 600 years for this. I know what happens in Israel. I've read the New Testament multiple times, but what's going to happen in the Americas? Something's got to happen, right? Or else this Book of Mormon is going to be pretty anticlimactic. Well, Samuel tries to explain what's going to happen. Quote, And behold, this will I give unto you for a sign at the time of his coming. For behold, there shall be great lights in heaven, insomuch that in the night before he cometh there shall be no darkness insomuch that it shall appear unto man as if it was day. Therefore, there shall be one day and a night and a day, as if it were one day and there were no night. And this shall be unto you for a sign. For ye shall know of the rising of the sun and also of its setting. Therefore, they shall know of a surety that there shall be two days and a night. Nevertheless, the night shall not be darkened. And it shall be the night before he is born. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall believe on the Son of God, the same shall have everlasting life. And if ye believe on his name, ye will repent of all your sins, that thereby ye may have a remission of them through his merits. End quote. So the purpose of Samuel's teachings, the purpose of all the prophets that have taught about Christ, is to help convince the people, convince you and me, about Christ, so that they will make the choice to repent, to change their lives, to have a change of mind and heart that brings them closer to God. Samuel reminds us of that choice that each of us has to make. Quote, and now remember, remember, my brethren, that whosoever perisheth, perisheth unto himself, and whosoever doeth iniquity, doeth it unto himself. For behold, ye are free, ye are permitted to act for yourselves. For behold, God hath given unto you a knowledge, and he hath made you free. He hath given unto you that ye might know good from evil, and he hath given unto you that ye might choose life or death. End quote. And this, of course, is the challenge that the Nephites and Lamanites have had during their entire history. And it's the same challenge that you and I have. The teachings we hear about Christ are exciting, and hopefully we make the choice to accept the gospel into our lives. But how do we maintain that decision year after year, decade after decade? It's not a function of choosing to believe once. We have to choose every day to have faith in Christ. Quote, 
Nevertheless, the people began to harden their hearts, all save it were the most believing part of them, and began to depend upon their own strength and upon their own wisdom, saying, Some things they may have guessed right among so many, but behold, we know that all these great and marvelous works cannot come to pass, of which has been spoken. And they began to reason and to contend among themselves, saying, That it is not reasonable that such a being as a Christ shall come. If so, and he be the Son of God, the Father of heaven and of earth, as it has been spoken, why will he not show himself unto us, as well as unto them who shall be at Jerusalem? But behold, we know that this is a wicked tradition, which has been handed down unto us by our fathers, to cause us that we should believe in some great and marvelous thing which should come to pass, but not among us, but in a land which is far distant, a land which we know not. Therefore, they can keep us in ignorance, for we cannot witness with our own eyes that they are true." End quote. Look, I get it. The people here are saying it's not reasonable to believe that a divine being like Christ will come to earth. They're right. It's not reasonable to believe this. In fact, for our logical scientific brains, it's the most unreasonable thing to try to believe. A woman conceives a child through the power of God, and that child will somehow atone for the sins of the world, be crucified, and then be resurrected three days later. Of course we can't believe in this story. And yet, it did happen. Christ did come to the earth. He did atone for the sins of the world. He did create a pathway back to God. And we must find a way to believe. Now, what's interesting here for the Nephites is that in order to justify why they are choosing not to believe in the words of Samuel the Lamanite, they explain that if Christ were really to come and really is the Son of God, he would come visit them too, and not just the people in Jerusalem. But if Christ is just going to supposedly visit the people in Jerusalem, then the story must be fake news, a wicked tradition passed down from their fathers. Quote, for we cannot witness with our own eyes that they are true, end quote. Well, if they were really listening to the prophecies and traditions passed down from their fathers, they would have remembered that Alma and Amulek and many other of their priests did teach about this not 70 years earlier. Quote, And many of the people did inquire concerning the place where the Son of God should come, and they were taught that he would appear unto them after his resurrection. And this the people did hear with great joy and gladness. It's not surprising that the Nephites are choosing to ignore certain teachings and distort others in order to feel justified in their choice to not believe in Christ. We see this happening all the time around us. My wife and I have some friends in Utah that have now left the church and abandoned their faith. And we watch them go through this process, selectively distorting certain truths in order to justify their choices. Quote, And notwithstanding the signs and the wonders which were wrought among the people of the Lord, and the many miracles which they did, Satan did get great hold upon the hearts of the people upon all the face of the land. End quote. The question for you and I, however, is whether this may be happening to us unknowingly. Perhaps we can relate to the Nephites who are being taught that Christ was about to come to the earth. We're also taught that today. In the Guide to the Scriptures, found at the end of the Book of Mormon, it summarizes the teaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Quote, At the beginning of the millennial era, Christ will return to the earth. This event will mark the end of the mortal probation of this earth. While no man knows exactly when Christ will come for the second time, he has given us signs to watch for that indicate the time is drawing near. End quote. Okay, he has given us signs to watch for, exactly like how Samuel the Lamanite was teaching the Nephites about the signs of Christ's coming. Well, even when these signs do happen, how will we know that it's actually Christ's coming? 
and not just some freak events happening in the world. Look around us right now in the news. There's the plague, floods, fires, tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, even locusts. Many believe these are the signs of the second coming. How do we know? What if they're just a result of climate change? And what about when Christ sets foot on the earth? How will we believe that it's really him? Lots of people have claimed to be Christ. They usually end up with cult followings, some of which end in tragedy. If someone claimed to be Christ today, would you believe them? This may be the real challenge that the Nephites are having. Even for those that want to believe, that do believe, when the moment comes, is our faith strong enough to believe in the impossible? Well, that test will come for all of us one day, but perhaps in the meantime, all we can do is strive to continue to build our faith in what we believe will come to pass, what we feel to be true, what the Holy Spirit has confirmed to us, what we have hope in, and strive to accept our Savior's invitation to come and follow him today. If we're spending our days now serving God's children, showing kindness and love to those around us, taking care of those who are less fortunate than us, and striving to keep God's commandments as best we can, then hopefully when the time comes, whether that's Christ's birth for the Nephites or his second coming for you and I, or when we pass through the veil after death, we'll be in tune enough with the Spirit to recognize our Savior when we see him and accept him as the divine being we've been waiting for. Thank you for listening today, and I'll see you next time.